Hallelujah. For the Lord God Almighty reigns and is coming again. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him the glory. God's word for our consideration this morning. From the book of 2 Thessalonians, I reread verses 6 and 7. God is just. He will pay back trouble to those who trouble you and give relief to you who are troubled and to us as well. This is the word of the Lord. Lord, guide us in truth. Your word is truth. Well, do you feel the relief? It is finally over. It seems like for the last forever, we have been subjected to endless, awful ads. My mom was a teacher and my dad worked third shift. They've released violent criminals back into society and didn't even tell the families. I'm and I support this ad. They want to enforce this archaic ancient law. They want to abolish this law. And on and on and on. So many months of nothing but terrible rhetoric about so many things. All paid by companies that who, who knows where they're based out of or what their agenda is. Yeah, I'm not talking about any of the specifics of candidates and I'm not talking about outcomes of any races. Some people are glad of how it turned out. Some are upset. But I think the one thing we can all be glad of is it's over. The instant stopping of the constant flood is, is pretty amazing. We had ads on live TV. We had ads on streaming services all over Facebook, on billboards, on street corners. And then November 9th hits and done. Instant relief. That's a day that should be a holiday. A day which everyone looks forward to with joy. In fact, there's much that we look forward to right now this time of year. We look forward to hunting season, Thanksgiving, St. Nick's, Christmas, New Year's, Epiphany, so much. But our lessons today remind us to look forward to the day of Jesus' return. And there's an awful lot jam-packed into this section of 2 Thessalonians. And amidst all of this struggles that Paul is writing about, he says something rather quickly, and we would be wise to linger on it for a bit. So let's take a moment to ponder this sweet relief of Jesus' return. 
Now, the church of Thessalonica was founded in a hostile environment, to put it mildly. This was during Paul's second missionary journey, and he only got to stay for a little while because the Jews there literally threw a riot to get him out of their city. And even after he left and went to Berea, the people in Thessalonica, they sent hecklers after him. He just could not escape them. The opposition and oppression in Thessalonica was harsh. And yet the Holy Spirit used those three weeks that Paul was in Thessalonica to birth a small group of faithful believers who really held on to that message of Jesus. Those believers worshipped God in truth and did not remain silent about their faith. They spoke to each other about their faith, and we must be certain they also spoke to others. And Paul, knowing the experience he had, had concern for these dear souls, and so he made sure to write them, to encourage them. Even sending Timothy, who was a young uh, a vicar or EFT student, we might think, to go and, and check on them. In both of our books, First and Second Thessalonians, we find words of encouragement. Paul directing the eyes of the believers to look at Jesus and the greatness that comes with being connected to Him. We know how poorly He was treated and we can be certain from His word, words that the, uh, the believers that were in Thessalonica got much the same. And so the encouragement is important. But when, when do you actually go about encouraging someone? If you go into the modern sports arena, the hooting and hollering begins right away, but that's more fanfare. When does it get really intense? Well, when the struggles start. As the team begins to falter a little bit, that's when the cheerleaders get going. When a, when a racer starts to slow and show signs of fatigue, that's when encouragement becomes so important. That's when we can see the coach coming up to the fighter who is fatiguing and pointing to the family and saying, they are why you are fighting. And we see the change in the fighter's face. This is what the letters to the Thessalonians are. They are encouragement because they were stuck in a miserable fight. Surrounded by enemies, constantly being oppressed, beaten up, literally spit on, and treated just horribly. To the people who had to endure that, Paul wrote. And he wrote to remind them of so much, but most importantly, what this oppression for their faith truly meant. The fact that they were being treated so horribly and abused and yet held firm to their belief in Jesus, Paul says, that is the evidence that God judged right. 
God was truly right in picking those people to be exposed to the message of salvation at that time in Jesus because they would stay true and hold that faith as more precious than good business deals or choice picks in the market. Their connection with God was more important than anything else. And we really like to hear stories about that like that, don't we? We love to hear the stories of the Corey Tenbooms and the, the Dietrich Bonhoeffers who value their faith, faith in the face of oppression and danger. And we think, what wonderful faith they had. And we thank God for them being in the moment that they were so that they can encourage others in faith and, and maybe even us when we face moments of struggle. But even as we say, thank God for their faith, there may be another thought that pops up in right next to that that says, those guys are going to get it. Paul even writes, they will be punished with everlasting destruction. And our minds go, vindication! And sure, that sure comes in when we are feeling the oppression. When we have someone slam a door in our face or call us names because we proclaim our faith boldly and clearly. Maybe it happens when we pray at our meal when we dine out and someone at another table snickers at us and we get embarrassed. And somewhere inside we have this thought that goes, I hope that their order is wrong. Vindication. Or maybe we're driving and following the speed limit. And someone passes us dangerously and a few miles down the road we see them pulled over and we think, Vindication! They got it! Perhaps we even get a bit excited when we hear that Johnny Cash song that says, Sooner or later... God's going to cut you down. Do we think that's the kind of behavior and attitude that Paul was endorsing for the Thessalonian believers? Do we think that that's the action that they were exhibiting? I, I don't think so. I think these believers took so seriously the message of Jesus and what He meant that when they heard about these unbelievers who were, or they experienced their time with these unbelievers who were so nasty to them, they didn't get so angry when they realized that they were in danger. These unbelievers were in very real danger of fiery destruction that knows no end because. Jesus was coming back to judge the worthy and the unworthy. And there were a number who would be consumed. And so it becomes all the more reason for these believers to live their lives of faith out loud, exhibiting their faith in Jesus so that the relief that is found in Christ could be shared. Because it can be. This is the message that we see again and again across the lessons for today. One, it sets out two realities 
punishment for the wicked and sweet relief for the believer. Those who revere the name of the Lord will leap and dance like a well-fed calf like you see on the cover of your bulletins. And Jesus said that not a hair on your head will perish. You will win life. The point being that on the other end of these trials and oppression is true life that is exciting and joyful for all the right reasons and in all the right ways. There is joy in life everlasting. And those oppressing the believers, do you think they, they have a concept of that? Can they even fathom the amount of joy that waits just on the other side of the veil? They have before them destruction and no hope. They have life is hard and then you die. And this fills the believers with pity, doesn't it? Of course we have our moments of wanting vindication. No one likes getting hurt or persecuted. And we have the message in Revelation of the saints saying, How long, O Lord? But it's not about their destruction. We don't want to hold on to bitterness and uh, anger and frustration at those who hurt. No, we who have this message of hope and salvation, we pray for them to have the Holy Spirit. We live the Gospel to them so that they can see that there is hope and joy in something else. In Jesus who is coming. In fact, we have the words of Jesus to tell us in Matthew chapter 5, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And I think that is the type of faith that we see in the Thessalonian believers that Paul is encouraging so that they can have life as well. And when we do that, when we live our faith out loud, one of two things is going to happen. Either they will continue to persecute and God is proved right in His judgment towards us, or the Gospel will take root and sprout to life in them that they will then have the same promise that we have. Either way, God wins. We don't delight in their destruction. No, we, we delight in the message of Jesus, our Savior, who took on our sin. Indeed, the burden of the sin of the whole world. We delight in the message that God punished Him instead of us. And we delight that Jesus rose from the dead and opened heaven to be our life everlasting in His glorious presence. And we delight that we have this message of reconciliation to share. And this message is power. This message is hope. This message is what enables us to look at the coming of Jesus and see it for what it really is. 
the destruction of the oppressors, sure, but more than that, it is sweet relief. And that's the theme that we have today, sure, but sweet relief doesn't even begin to scratch the surface of what is waiting for us in heaven. It's like being underwater for 45 seconds and you can only hold your breath for 20. And as you break the surface of the water and you gasp, breathing in that sweet air and filling life come into your lungs and spread all over your body, that is what will be forever. It's like hiking through the middle of the hottest desert at high noon, melting away and looking up and seeing not a mirage, but an ice cream truck ten feet in front of you. That you climb into and feel that cool wave come over and you gorge yourself on sweet treats that are nothing but good for you. And that is just the beginning. It's a relief to have pain end. It's a relief not to have political ads piled on top of each other and then crammed down our throats. November 9th is a great day because of the relief of those stopping. Christ's return is great. It's great because of the pain of this life and oppression stopping even faster than political ads. But it's not sweet relief only because of that end. It's more. It's Jesus. It's the Creator of all things holding out His nail-scarred hands to you. And wrapping you in that hug that you knew you wanted but didn't know you needed that much. Our sweet relief in Jesus is more than a stop. It's blessing beyond all understanding. So dear Christian, as you endure the hardships of life, hold on to this hope as tight as the Thessalonians. Relief is coming. Don't repay evil for evil. Christ is your relief. He is coming. Rest your head and your heart on Him. Feel that sweet relief and so much more. Amen.